Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton, representing the haters. Here we go. <laughs> oh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was going to say let's do this for the haters, but I've said that before, so then I took the complete opposite angle. Well, the, is the is the the, the implication that you hate Die Hard? No, I hate the podcast. <laughs> 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 um my my hot take that i'd like to start off with is that i hate the title die hard i think it's dumb <laughs> I, I, was, I was gonna say maybe more like die hate am i right die, no Whoa. It's, it's, no. It's no you guys are printing yeah you should forget it's a, it's a german title it's die hot die hot die hot <laughs> it's uh, about it's about and, it's about uh john mcclain's heart which is to say his wife and <laughs> die hard is the story of a building and the cop who loves it sure and I did have that while watching this, I had the the thought process of, OK, I don't like this movie title. I think like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it fits. I think it's it's part of why I've kind of resisted this movie for a long sure. time until this viewing. I finally watched it and was like, oh, my gosh, this is actually great. Yeah. Um, But I uh, was watching it and thought, I don't like that title. Yeah, I know this is based on a book. Maybe the book title was either the book title was the same. Uh, and that's where they got it from. Or maybe the book title was better and they messed it up. But the book title is Nothing Lasts Forever, <laughs> is what this was adapted from, which also is not, at least for this movie, would not be a good title. No. Th- that, that, is a, that is a Pierce Brosnan <laughs> that Bond is a, movie, if that I've is ever a heard of movie title. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, I don't, what are you even, I don't What's know what old, you call this, like, The Tower. It's the, Old Habits Bruce Die Willis Hard, does right? It, like, does it that, kill? That's the concept, right? Old Habits Die Hard. But then, yeah, why not call it? Well, no, I don't know. That's probably but, but also like, these aren't old habits. He's a currently employed cop. It's not yeah. like it's not like he goes. Oh, I used to be, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you call it, but I don't want you to call it that. And then the entire <laughs> franchise base is based around that title. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, like, I was I was talking with Britton about this beforehand. I know I've made fun of of all the different titles that we've we've done for this the podcast. I think we can officially say that Die Hard has the worst selection of titles selection maybe okay yeah i mean we'll X have to talk you through that as Ugh. we get in there um you didn't even read the full title Britain. it's x2 x-men united oh okay uh <laughs> because that's so much better i i think you're gonna have to really talk me out of halloween taking that crown but a good day to die hard Halloween H2O 20 years later? <laughs> die Hard 2, Die Harder. That's not the same. Not the same <laughs> I energy. think it is very similar. <laughs> that movie has, or that franchise has three movies called Halloween. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> I I think, I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> yeah, I did. I do like that. The point of this movie where I said to myself, oh, right, 80s action movies own is when the title comes up and it's from opposite sides of the screen with the like metallic clanging, like Ding, die hard. And I was like, this is great. Let's go. Come on. Meanwhile, in the background, it's just uh, Bruce Willis walking through an airport <laughs> exactly. with a giant teddy bear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Things are so much better. You could just ride your bike anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and New York was scary. Uh. Yeah, uh, we're doing Die Hard. We're doing uh, Die Hard. It's we're, an actual we're, franchise. We're we're back to the status quo. We're doing a normal franchise, and we're we're, we're doing all of them. There's it, yeah. there's no 
fancy gimmicks. There's there's no yet. wacky left turns. Yes. There's no TV series you have to pretend doesn't exist. Yes. <laughs> Who owns? Yeah, that's right. We're doing uh we're doing the '90s uh, adaptation of It in the middle of <laughs> this <Die Hard> franchise. <laughs> and I'll find the connection for that later. Also, the '90s cartoon, the real Die Hard. Yes. What what own like what is is this like a Warner Brothers Paramount like who owns Die Hard? Um, it was a Fox property, so it's technically Disney. Well, there we go. Oh my god, Die Hard! But there's a Predator. I would like to see that, and it's directed by Zack Snyder. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that was uh for the record under five minutes before we brought Zack Snyder back. Uh, following the last trilogy sure. we just did. <laughs> He never um, leaves. Tom Holland is going to be so good in the Disney Plus yeah. limited series. Yeah. As John McClane. I'm so mad <laughs> at this thing that hasn't even been said. I just know. Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be the, the end of this upcoming season of the Mighty Ducks Last Chance or whatever the show is called. Um, and you're going to have like. Benedict Cumberbatch is going to show up as Hans Gruber in it, and you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Here we go. The Mighty Ducks Die Hard Cinematic Universe. Here, <laughs> du- duck Hard. <laughs> duck Hard. There's a vault directly underneath the ice rink. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Bombay. <laughs> so after this, you're nothing more than a common skater. I'm an exceptional skater. <laughs> <laughs> Slapshot, etc. I've never this seen is, the films. This is also how we get uh, the Ocean's Eleven franchise involved. Yeah, so, that for sure. How many players are on an ice hockey rink at the what? same time? Ten hockey. All right, numbers. <laughs> hockey players. Wayne in Gretzky. A game. How many hockey players in a final game? answer? Six. Really. Oh, no, the oceans! Al- oh right. no, there's Six been a fracture. There's been a fracturing. The Ocean's Eleven team is splintered. There's definitely. Is it Clo- is it six per team? Yes, that makes Cl- sense. Clooney v Pitt, and everyone chooses their alliances, and they have to play hockey yeah, at each Brad, other. Yeah, Brad Pitt and George Clooney are each each have a team of Mighty Ducks. Yeah, one's the one's blue team and one's red team. Yeah, um, and they realize partway through that they have to set aside their differences so that they can play the ultimate game of hockey against Hans's uh, Germans. <laughs> yeah. Adult Germans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, then they both do a heist. Yeah. See who's the better which, which are called Der Uberfowl. Britain, what is your uh, what is your summary of Die Hard? My because I don't think it's that. I could be wrong. I don't think what we just said is actually what happens in Die Hard. So basically, cannot um, prove otherwise. But (laughs) I mean, if you want a real synopsis of Die Hard, just watch the Die Hard the Musical episode of Bob's Burgers, where they combine Die Hard and Working Girl into a musical called Work Hard or Die Trying Girl, (laughs) which is so good. Um, but the one that I have for you stays thusly. New York City policeman John McClane is visiting his estranged wife and two daughters on Christmas Eve. He joins her at a holiday party in the headquarters of Nakatomi Plaza, where she works. 
Uh, but the festivities are interrupted by a group of terrorists who take over the exclusive high-rise and everyone in it. Very soon, McLean realizes that there's no one to save the hostages. But him. Uh, since I have not gotten around to the other information that comes along with this movie, uh, Die Hard oh, is from that. 1988, directed Woo. by John McTiernan. It has a 94% critic score and audience score. Oh, wow. Do you guys also have a weird, like, connection to movies that were made released in the year you were born? Because this movie and I are, came out in the same year. I was, well, I, I was why released. Not, why not just go ahead and give us your social security number? Okay, Britain. <laughs> People don't know. This is too much private information. I, I said you've, this be- you've implicated us somehow. I don't know how. I've said this before about Batman. Um... And how it was weird to talk about a movie that's as old as me with the word historical context. <laughs> I almost said something that would give even more information away about myself. Um, <laughs> well, my fingerprints could be described as... <laughs> yeah, the poster. Bruce Willis's face looks exactly like my fingerprints. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you got very tiny tattoos. I was looking up... So the music in this was by Michael Kamen. Okay. Not yes. super familiar with. Um, we have done some movies that he's scored before. He did a 1981 one. movie called Venom. <laughs> Good. What movie? Also, also starring Tom Hardy. Also starring Tom Hardy. Um, but I was going to say, uh, man, I really wish this movie just had the the score for Escape from New York. <laughs> mm. uh, but I also think most movies can be improved by doing that. So that's no that's no shade on Michael Kamen there. Oh yeah. I I think I would have probably liked um uh what's what's like a like Bridgerton more if John Carpenter did the score. <laughs> but the Duke, I don't I don't know if the Duke will come to visit today. Has, has John Carpenter done a film score for a romance? Or even um, something that can even like be construed as a romance. I think he let me look. He might have done the one for Starman, which he directed. Okay. Uh, I was going to joke and say Halloween 2018. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, it is about a man and a woman who are uh, linked by destiny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but uh, Jeff Bridges, it's got Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. So there's everything you need right there. There's your whole movie. John Connor. Mm hmm. Jeff Bridges was nominated for an Oscar for it, actually. Um, oh, geez. What else can I tell you about myself <laughs> while, while I look up this information? Credit card information. Music. Oh, no. That was by Jack Nitsche. Okay. All well, right. Well, I guess. No. We got to find out now. I Somebody really... bring him out of retirement to do <laughs> Bridgerton season three. Just really t- change the mood of that. that show. That's why I didn't finish the first season of Bridgerton. Yeah. <laughs> was because it's missing like, something. This music isn't scary enough. Not yeah. enough synth. In, I, need, in, I need to feel this Regency drama. Just totally haunted at every yeah. moment of this show. Reggae Jean Page isn't feeling enough dread. Or is he? He actually might be. Oh. I never finished this, this season. <laughs> Listen, we're here to talk about Die Hard. We are. It's a big movie, and a lot of people love it, and I liked it. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> let's look up more info about Kit Fisto's uncle. <laughs>
Uh, I guess real quick, just uh, roundtable. We're not actually around a roundtable, but um, I I have yes. seen all of the. <laughs> I have seen all the Die Hard movies. Have have either of you? What 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 is our no. This is the experience. only one. I've seen, I, it, I've okay. seen this movie once before and then now, but I've not seen any of the others. This okay. movie has been on, I think, while well, I have been in the room. Uh, I have never paid attention to it before now, and I remembered nothing. Not nothing that happens in the second half, but like there's a solid, I think, hour chunk kind of right up before the third act uh, that in, in more in the second half of the movie that I did not remember anything about. Um, pretty much from, pretty much from the moment that, uh, John McClane and Hans Gruber, which is, these are, these are good names. These are good movie names. Um, pretty much, it makes up a little bit for the title. Uh, these are, uh, or when they, um, meet on the rooftop and Hans tries to pass off, pass himself off as like one of the hostages, um, Pretty much from that moment on until, like, Hans gets thrown out of the window, basically. That that whole chunk I d- had no, mm. like, real memory of. And I think that's where a lot of little things pay off in, in nice ways. Um, totally. So, yeah. I like to, I, I like, yeah. <clears throat> I like to imagine you just kind of walking through and looking up from your, from your phone at the TV going, Is that Disney's The Kid? And then you just keep <laughs> going. No way. Is that the Mighty Ducks? Ah, weird. Yeah. How, how many senses are in this movie? Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that the, watching it this time, I really was like, this is the moment that clicked for me. Um, very early on in the movie, uh, Holly Gennaro, uh, Gennaro, G- Gennaro. She's going by Holly Gennaro. Yeah. Which is important. Uh, she is. She gets off the phone with with John. Uh, or not not with John, with her maid, uh, or her nanny, maybe, um, who is not, or who is saying like, oh yeah, John's not here, he hasn't tried to call, I don't know where he is, um, and she's frustrated, or maybe she does call him, I don't know, she's, she's upset about a phone call, and she looks at the photo of their family on the desk, and she slaps the photo down, she's like, I, gah. that, that John McLean, that, that darn John McLean, um, and then we proceed on with the movie. Uh, there's a whole plot point about how she's going by her last name because she is um, basically trying not to come across as a, a married woman mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, the big studio execs. Like, she, she's trying to look independent. Um, and this is, like, a point of contention between her and, and John throughout the movie. But there's a point quite a bit later where uh, Hans sees on the TV that they're interviewing the kids of John McClane and Holly is like, you know, obviously freaking out and, and she sees and hears her, her children talking to the media about how they're terrified because their parents, she, they don't know what's happened to their parents. Uh, and this makes Hans realize the connection of, Oh, there, that's where John McClane came from. He's, Holly's something. <laughs> He's, Holly likes him, uh, or tolerates him. Yeah. Um, and then he flips up the the photo frame, and he's like, "Ah, um, 
that is i thought that was it's a little bit silly you know it's a little bit silly that he didn't try and look at it before whatever but i love that attention to detail Mm -hmm. of like oh here's this throwaway thing that happens really early in the movie for a totally different reason it ends up having a huge not it's not even really a huge impact it doesn't really give like he kind of makes the connection before he looks at it but the fact that they just remember this photo has been turned down because that would give away who they are and then he looks at it and that shows that he is locking in the connection like there's a lot of really smart little things that are done without needing any sort of exposition or or verbalization um hans in general like the the way they portray hans right away from the beginning the the camera tells you he's the big the big macho bad guy like like you there is no point where anyone says hey hey chief what (laughs) what what how what's the plan how are you know how's it going down it's it's like the camera is is following him the the other guys walk beside the camera while it's it's gunning straight Mm -hmm. down this this crowd of people getting off the truck and and he is there he's large he's in charge he's walking no one's saying anything we know that this is our guy uh he has a screen presence because it's um alan rickman and like we're off to the races we got it this is our bad guy yeah there's some really cool stuff that the movie does just very smartly without having to paint any sort of pictures for you it's just like you got it totally totally visual yeah and this is i don't know how many new things one can say about die hard anymore but i will join the chorus of alan rickman is really good in this movie (laughs) sure like he's he's he does this great bit before he it might be the first time he talks in the movie but after they get they're getting all the hostages round up rounded up round up and he's about to address them and he kind of does this like impatient gesture with his hands to kind of like hey come on stop it and then he says like ladies and gentlemen but right but as he builds up to that he's doing these little like gestures and facial expressions like oh god it's so perfect Mm -hmm. and like the writing the dialogue in general i really like and the writing is really fun for him but yeah he's alan rickman was wonderful in general just across the board in movies but like oh man He's so yeah. he's so good, so good in this. Yeah, we were joking last week about uh, IMDb's top ten villain roles or whatever. Yeah, and it's yeah. like no, Alan Rickman is legitimately one of the best movie villains. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hans he's Gruber. fantastic! Yeah, yeah. As such that like I aside from I think it's Carl with the one with beautiful hair. A lot of his other henchmen don't really stand out to me that much. Right. Although I'm saying this, and I'm I immediately thought of like four. <laughs> sure because carl's like, really the one like early on they show john trying to piece together who is who and, and right who right and so like yeah and you've got like theo and uh the guy who looks like huey lewis <laughs> sure. and there's an asian man <laughs> right i do like one of the things that helps this movie age really well is that it is a a multi racial i guess group of villains mm-hmm. but really it's like they're european they're white people so you, you don't have this weird like racial politic thing now looking back you're like oh god all the villains are black or something you know you just kind sure. of you go oh yeah evil germans or well, it, it's multicultural again is the is yeah it's it's one of those things that gives it a very real feeling yeah like it, it, it helps with the overall grounding of the film that like it's just a, a mixed cast like yeah it's a yeah. diverse cast and that's like on both the villains and like just the side characters and everyone it's right it's right all over the place so it's kind of like okay 
this this now feels good to watch now that a lot of our media has caught up with the fact that that is what the real world looks like right uh right. whereas you know that wasn't always the way hollywood would approach it mm. now it, it it makes this movie feel um a little more modern when you watch it because it's like oh they didn't yeah. try to shy away from that and yeah. that's even i think part of their plan they pretend that it's about this like global yes revolutionary thing even though it's just like we're just trying to get the money but that still kind of lends to that facade they're posting of like no we're global revolutionaries all yeah. over the world and whatnot yeah the the uh the bit where uh i know it's nakatomi plaza is what who's the name of the guy who's in charge of holly's oh, company um I, i'll look it up because i lost it um but th- there's the scene because they they take him to try and get into the vault and start getting all the information that they can from him and he goes what kind of terrorists are you? <laughs> and Alan Rickman just goes, who said we were terrorists? Right. Uh, it's it is perfectly uh, deliberate. James, James Shigeta was the actor and he played Yoshinobu, I believe. Okay. Um, what's the character's name? Yeah, I liked, I liked him. Then he got shot through the head. <laughs> Very yeah. badly. <laughs> now, I couldn't remember if they actually said what the name of the company was. Like, I, I didn't, yeah. I forgot if it was Nakatomi or if that was just the name of the location. I think it's the name of the, the location because I think there's multiple businesses on that, on right. the, in that building, like the Empire State Building. Yeah. Um, Although it is, it is a little funny, the, the opening bit where John goes and he's, he's trying to figure out how the touch screen works, which is fun. Um, he's like, oh, this is a cute little toy. Um. And he finally, you know, figures out, oh, it's she's going under Gennaro. That's that's upsetting. Um, and then he's like, oh, 30th floor. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, though, they're the only people left. They're, they're having their Christmas party. I really wanted John to just smack him and be like, dude, you made me do all this. This jump and dance for that. Well, the movie was funded by uh, touch screens. Yeah. <laughs> We, um, he didn't get it, but his kids pro- are going to love it. Probably IBM or somebody. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Lee real, real quick, <laughs> I, I did want to talk uh, just a couple of tidbits about the backstory, um, and then we can get more into it. So apparently there was a previous film adaptation of this book series that the Die Hard story comes from, um, made multiple decades before this, starring Frank Sinatra. And the story goes that they were legally obligated to offer Sinatra the part of John McClane in this. And he was apparently in his 70s at this point, so that would not have worked. Right. But I just, I find or, that fascinating. <laughs> or, um, but uh, if you're wondering, oh, why didn't you guys do that movie for the podcast first? His name is John Mc- is not John McClane in that, so it is not my problem. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's Mon... Jaclain. <laughs> uh, general one, thought. I would like the idea of a very old man just like walking up to Hans Gruber and being like, ring a ding ding and like smacking him. There's probably a moment that happens like that in the fifth film. Yippee ki yay, Mr. Friend. <laughs> There's so much swearing and language in pictures these days. You know, the thing about art and commerce. Frank. Frank was uh, quite a guy. Um, I knew him personally, which is why I <laughs> uh-huh. say that. 
I can call him by his first name. Um, this is an interesting movie to me because there's a lot of movies from this, uh, from the 80s that I think I've spent my life hearing about and hearing about and stuff like a lot of them, I, when I finally would get to them, I just wouldn't care because yep. I they've been overhyped, but also there were things you had to kind of grow up with. So like Ghostbusters, a lot of John Hughes movies, Home Alone among them, even stuff like Willow. I I feel like there is a generation of people who are making movies and TV shows now and that that's like the pantheon and those are like yeah. the ultimate things and they're referenced all over the place. Which is why even though I've only seen Die Hard once before now, I was like, I know I know Die Hard. <laughs> I've seen it referenced right. a thousand times. But every now and again I will come across a movie from that era that I'll era from that time period that I'll go, No, I think this holds up and I I like this even outside of going well, it's all relative and all this anyway, but like Ghostbusters, and I haven't seen Ghostbusters in a while, but I didn't didn't really do anything for me. I John Hughes, like I mentioned, but then with with this, I go, oh no, Die Hard like works. <laughs> like, I definitely like this movie. Like like when I saw Terminator Two for the first time, I was like, yeah, Terminator Two is awesome. So that's <laughs> what fantastic. I was gonna say is I feel like I lumped this movie in with a long for a long time with movies uh, that we've talked about on. Podcast mm-hmm. like Terminator, the fir- the first Terminator, um, Alien, yeah, specifically, totally. I don't know, like, I mean, I mentioned Escape from New York earlier, and kind of put that in that camp, like a, a handful of movies that are like, oh, these are the action movies, yeah, or yeah. not even action movies because they're not all in the same boat necessarily, but like, or Predator, Predator is another great sure, example, sure, um, for me Which specifically, came out the year prior to this, yeah, and like, directed by John McTiernan, <laughs> sure, um. But I, I would put a lot of those in a camp of movies that don't, for whatever reason, like, I'll watch them, I'll be like, I, I really appreciate the craft here. It's not really doing it for me. Sure. Um, and and I had always thought that this was kind of in that group because I had seen some of it before and it hadn't really grabbed me. But this time it, it really caught me and I think uh, stood out to me above a lot of those as far as, like, there's things about this that appeal to me and not just the part of me that wants to understand why people really like this. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I will say, I, I told you guys I had a hot take and I'll give that hot take right now. Uh, I don't really like John McClane. <laughs> sure. Um, as a person, um, this is not a, yeah. Why criti- didn't he just let the principal from, uh, breakfast club, you know, do his <laughs> thing. He was going to yeah. get those hostages out. I didn't He's going to be fine. That was him. He's oh, not the principal right. in that, right? Isn't he just like a faculty member? He or might something? be right. He's yeah. He might be just like a man. Where does he get off though? Giving me detention. Yeah, that principal should live in a trash can. I, mm. <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't realize that was him. That's so funny. I was telling myself that's not the guy from the nanny and mom's got a date with the vampire. <laughs> sure. That's what I was telling myself. No, I I want to be clear. This is not even a criticism of the movie or a criticism of Bruce Willis's performance because I do think Willis is good in this. But, like, everything he says in this movie is so snide and condescending and critical that it feels like if someone went, good morning, he'd be like, eh, good morning, what's so good, eh, come on, California, oh boy. Like, nothing can make him happy, everybody's beneath him, he's so cool, he's better than everybody in the room, and I don't like that. Now, some of it, I when he's in, when he gets to the point where he's fed up with the bad guys and he's doing that stuff to the bad guys, I'm like, that's funny. Yippie Kaye, Mr. French is a is a great moment. I think mm-hmm. it's funny, it's cool, it's exactly what it ought to be. And come out to the coast, have a few laughs, like all that stuff is great. Like, 
But a lot of the stuff at the beginning, I was having a really hard time getting on his side. Or I was like, you're, I don't need you to be perfect, but I feel like I'm supposed to think that you're sure. that it's cool that you keep putting this guy's like, oh, hey, well, here's a tip about air travel. Huh. Yeah, look at you, California. I'm like, Argyle's just trying to make a connection. I feel, I do like that. I think there is a little bit of that that is him growing sure throughout the situation like especially with the feet thing obviously he does try it right right, right. Uh, after after thinking about it and then of course that gets him in trouble later but it also helps him be quieter for a yeah. lot of the movie and like it, the fact that he didn't have shoes on at the time means he could get out really quickly without anyone noticing there's a whole um, subplot about him not wearing shoes it's brilliant right, right. <laughs> yeah uh, well, and, and i yeah. and i think you know same with argyle like argyle shows up and he's like heck yeah my limo guy let's you know get yeah. out of here like uh i think there there is a little bit of that that's sort of a uh a, a scrooge character arc of, sure like <laughs> as i as i go through this and like as i have to connect with uh sergeant powell and like yeah you know well, put that, myself in other people's shoes and that relationship because I, I like the way he and holly interact for the most part but it's re- the relationship with al is what yes makes me go like oh no i don't fully dismiss this character right because like there are some movies where you have a character like that and the movie's really terrible and you're kind of just laughing with it and you're like oh all right whatever this is overblown but i think it was just like that early on when the movie didn't call for him to be snide or condescending he was and it's like we're supposed to think that's cool and i was like i don't think that's cool you know it's cool being kind uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> um so quit being mean to all those wimpy kids and then they wouldn't have to go write in their diaries that's what I say. Sure. Um, Britain, it's it's funny you say that because I, I didn't read it so much as him trying to be cool. Oh, I don't think um, he, I think the movie thought that or maybe yeah, I, maybe well, I, maybe not, this is like the people that I've talked I've heard talk about Die Hard. Maybe I'm reacting. I mean, it could be a case of like, oh, yippee ki we're turning that into a catchphrase. Since, oh, no, well, yippee ki I liked anyway. No, but um, I, I, I just kind of read it and leaned much more into the fish out of water like everybody around here is clearly much more personable than whatever mm. life he is used to back in new york so sure. he's just like on his sure, back sure. foot like the whole time yeah that makes sense i read it as a defense mechanism mm. I, I can see that um because i really do love the way that he like his relationship with al is wonderful yeah. Like when they talk about having kids and like, all oh, that's just really sweet. And then when they see each other at the end and they don't say anything, they hug. I was like, this is this. I'm getting more emotional, like payoff from this than his marriage. Like, this is right. so sweet. <laughs> um, Other thing that everyone knows, Reginald Val Johnson is great in this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really like him. And I really like Al. He's basically playing his part from Family Matters. And it's delightful because he's great in that, too. Now, Alex, as the as our resident, Stephen Urkel. I, you'll have to tell me more about this because I've never really watched a lot of Family Matters. I, of course, know about Steve Urkel, but I, when it comes to watching Family Matters, I did not do that. Um, can you tell me about it? <laughs> yeah, for, for I think you have to it, do the voice a little bit, Britain, in order for the re- the reference did, to register. Did so. did did I? Do, oh God! I, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you? How do you think it's delivered when when Will Smith? Uh, recovers his career as Urkel uh, in in the dark uh, dystopian reboot of Family Matters. Ha <laughs> ha! Did I do that? 
Or or is it is it that or is it? I guess it's kind of like uh, Welcome to oh, Earth. Man. Same same vibe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't think we should I ever like... put Will Smith in another situation where he has to physically assault anything or anyone and then sure. say a catchphrase. I think it's fine. I still I... still think this is like the silliest controversy. In oh yeah, time. definitely. No, it, it it is a controversy that if it could have spawned a conversation about how men express their anger and how <laughs> men interact and how we feel protective over our loved ones and how that manifests in unhealthy ways it did not <laughs> thank you yeah. thank you america we could have done this is a stupid thing and we could have done something good with it the point is i really like that tyler thinks you know what's going to get will smith back on everybody's good side that's right it's it's, it's urkel <laughs> it's urkel but he's in his 60s <laughs> i'm you know like uh, I'm just... It's Gran Torino, I'm, but Urkel. I'm, cor- I'm connecting some dots. Okay. Get um, off my lawn. I do I do genuinely want to talk about uh, Powell's character for a second, because the the kind of given backstory for him is that he uh, shot a kid as yes. a cop. Um, we don't... I mean, uh, kind of from the reaction, it seems like he... The, the kid must have died. Um... Yes, in yeah. the canon doesn't really say for sure uh but either way that's what made him retire and i i thought that was interesting it 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 i feel like it definitely has not aged uh as yeah i was well, thinking about this um, yeah because that is and that that is kind of a whole angle to this movie um that it is i don't know it's it's weird i think in our current era to watch a movie where the the protagonists are two cops basically well and Um, and specifically but that's also not at all weird for the era no Um, no, i had the same like i had the same thought that this is in many ways a movie about a cop who breaks the rules and does it does is like the renegade cop hero narrative which but again this is a sets him up as in a scenario where if if the movie was about a cop going i have there's these terrorists taking over this building, but I'm not going to help because of the paperwork. We don't be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like it creates, it, it, it's an odd thing that like, yeah. and I think that kind of helps it that the movie hasn't aged poorly in that regard because the scenario scenario is so specific and also yeah. so movieized. Yeah. And yeah, the thing with Al and the, and the characters. Yeah. Are very yeah. Likeable in a way that, that works very well. And, and, and this is yeah, it's it's a very different. He's yeah, it's a very different kind of scenario than than other things. And that this is a problem yeah. that has existed. We're very aware of it now. It has it has existed for longer than the last few years, but we're very aware of it now. But I had the same reaction because there was a period of my life where Reginald Vell Johnson going, "I shot a kid," is like a funny line reading to me. Right. And now I'm like, <laughs> I can't really laugh at that line anymore. Which I'm not yeah. even criticizing the movie for it. It's just like. Yeah. Oh, where we are right now, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I mostly just want to raise it because I feel like we try to think of those things and address them when they come up. I don't really have commentary on it. I don't. Oh think no, because I, I don't hold the movie. Yeah, made any real commentary on that? But I thought yeah. it was it was worth raising. Just as like that was something in the back of my mind as I was watching that. Totally. Um, but I think the way the characters are portrayed and, and how they come across makes that work really well. Yeah. Um, and kind of overcome any of that more modern, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is this is weird to to process uh, from 2022. But yeah, I think there are I'm sure there are other movies that like have aged 
much more poorly (laughs) (laughs) and maybe even more recent ones but yeah i think i don't hold that against the movie i think yeah like venom 2 oh man there's so many jokes i want to make but i won't What upset me with all of that was just the fact that Carl managed to survive the predicament he was left in. Yeah. And strolls all the way down and dramatically just whips out his gun to try and shoot them. And it's all very, very melodramatic. Yes. It was both a how did Carl survive and get there? And also, why did you have to give Powell like a heroic (laughs) moment there when it's like, this was already a really nice relationship with a satisfying payoff of like the fact that the two of them got to meet at the end is great. Right. Like that's, that's all you need. It's like we, we, that was like a point of tension the entire time is that they're so close, but they're so far talking through this, this comms radio and like are, is, is John McClane ever going to get out of there? Like how's, how's he going to survive this mess? And then they get to come together at the end and, and uh, have a, a, a lovely brotherly hug. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. And like, I, I was annoyed <laughs> that they were like, "Hey, here's a stinger." Alex, I thought for a minute you were still talking about Carl Winslow from Fan Matters, and I was like, <laughs> "How did does he not realize his name is Al?" And then I went, "That Carl has survived all of Urkel's horrible machinations <laughs> throughout the years." <laughs> I've tried to get you, Carl, but you keep evading me. <laughs> the last laugh will be mine, etc. Sure. I watched way too much Family Matters as a kid, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> love that part of your backstory because I never knew that about you. I was going to say, I, I don't think I watched enough. For <laughs> some reason, it was like that and Full House were always like sure. the shows that were on no, in the yeah. morning before I went to school. Full House, yeah. Yeah, I drank that like it was water. But Full, like, Full so, House was a, was a nighttime sure. deal for me, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. Was, that was a, you know, before bed, winding sure. down. Point house being, where is my, that, uh, where is my terrible movie. Netflix revival of Family Matters? That's what I'm saying. I, th- I think I think Jaleel has moved on. I think Jaleel will be more likely to be Sonic again than he would. <laughs> I don't know, of course. Uh, but I do. Uh, Alex, uh, dear listener, as I'm sure you've pieced together, is is the St- Stefan Urkel slash Uncle Jesse of our of our little trio Wait, here. Wait. What? He he he's the cool one with all the babes. <laughs> you took you took a turn there. He's always like the hair, huh? Always playing songs with the Beach Boys. You know. <laughs> I'm Joey. Full I'm, House I'm, Family Matters uh What what's another? I feel like I'm missing a component of the sitcoms of that era. Um, uh Family Ties was a little earlier, I guess. Who, who, who's who from Boy Meets World? <laughs> Maybe Boy Meets World. Maybe that's the third one. I, Ooh. I need, I need three, uh, to combine into my dystopian sitcom universe. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm going with this. Boy Meets World's a little bit later, but I still think it works. Okay. Or Perfect Strangers, which has the best sitcom theme song because it's very epic and What's... it's just, yeah. Oh, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Go on. What's the one with Michael J. Fox? Family size. But, okay. Yeah, but that was also right, like well, 84, I think, was when that started. Oh, a little earlier. All right. Twin yeah. Peaks. Twin <laughs> Peaks is also here. <laughs> that's, that's locking it in. You know, there's, 
There's a few parts in the finale of Twin Peaks where the line, did I do that, could be quite applicable. (laughs) (laughs) Imagining Kyle MacLachlan with a bloody face in front of a broken mirror. (laughs) Did I do that? Did I do that? Uh, And if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, that's probably still going to land about as well. (laughs) If you have. Um, So good. I want that. Apparently, David Lynch is is doing a new thing this year, so yeah, we'll yeah. review that when that comes out. <laughs> Please, we'll go to Can. Yes. Hi there. We're we all came with like press passes, and they're and they're just like stick figures of us. And they say here come the sequels, but the E's are backwards. Yep, we're we're part of the part of the thing. We're here to we're here to mm-hmm. watch the films. Mm-hmm. Ah, Monsieur Sequel, please watch this way. <laughs> We heard your uh, podcast on the Trois Couleurs. Merci, merci. (laughs) And Alex is like, not the cheveux, huh? (laughs) This was... I think we've... We've now diverged into an into a different podcast altogether. I don't I, know what I don't know what episode this is, but it's not the same episode we were in before. I think it's This American Life. I think that's <laughs> where we've shown you know, up. You know, sometimes I like to just sit back and let you guys burn some energy. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the best move. <laughs> so, Alex, what's it like doing a podcast? Oh, sometimes I just let Britton and Tyler just kind of run around. It's, you know, it's really it's like. You know, you do a big business deal. I don't know if this is how big business deals are done, but I assume you do a big business deal and you get, you know, everyone like has a really nice dinner, coffee after, like you're in the nice restaurant, like everything, you know, you, you've kind of yeah. gone through all of that, made small talk, like had a good time. And then when everyone's kind of just like, I'm just so full and I, I just want to go sleep, then you're like, all right, so we're not leaving until we make this deal. <laughs> and then and then, you know, everyone's a lot more mad. It's kind of like that. But but that's how Alex gets us to actually talk about the movie. Is that we we burn all this energy and then we're like, oh man, we're now we're really just like we're running out of steam. We gotta finish this podcast now because like it's time to talk about the actual thing that we watch. <laughs> we're like, oh, now we I have d- to be serious. I did have a thought about the editing. He says as <laughs> as realization sets in. <laughs> okay, but having said that, Alex, please do get us back on track. We're really not that far off the mark for how this no, operates. No, no. Uh- <laughs> Maybe a little. Alex, uh, play with us. Play in the space. Uh, I know we're. I know we're over forty minutes in. I don't think I've actually given my general thoughts on the movie. Sure. <laughs> I think. We, just, I think we just assume you like it. I, I yeah. think Britain and I have both assumed you like it without actually confirming. Yeah, barring the weird Carl resurrection fake mm-hmm. out shoot shooting thing at the end, which it's a nice moment for Powell, I guess. But yeah, I I, I think the movie could have easily gone without it and been perfectly fine. Um, I kind of think this might be the best action movie ever made. Wow. And I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's obvious. Or, you know, this is definitely up there. Um, This is kind of the exact type of premise that I like for an action movie. I like almost like a, a bottle mm-hmm. bottle film. It takes place at one location. We have a um relatively sympathetic protagonist he's not just perfect machismo stallone schwarzenegger action movie man and this movie was very much trying to break those stereotypes um 
and you know obviously he gets you know everyone knows oh he he runs across glass and he gets cut up and beat up and stuff so this is like when i talk about like oh in a bond movie when bond gets beat up or whatever that's the stuff i like i like our our hero having to face adversity and and we physically see the wear and tear um this is like this is the epitome of that this is where my my enjoyment of that comes from is, is die hard um, I kind of think it's just perfectly structured. Everything works. And, you know, we, you, Tyler, you already alluded to a couple of, of them, but there's just like, there's so many little storytelling flourishes, so many little setups and payoffs. They talk about Holly's watch. Yep. They make a very big deal about that when, when her and uh, John first reunited, like, oh, she's got this fancy watch because she's with the company now. And that's the thing that Hans is holding on to and they have to, to, um, break it. So he falls off at the end. And it's like, mm. you don't have to do that. You don't have to have all these setups and payoffs. And most action movies, especially today, don't. They don't even bother with it. But that's the stuff that makes the movie. That's the stuff that makes me come back to it because I remember that stuff. That stuff is, mm-hmm. it it's, just elevates everything. I mean, it's it's satisfying. It's yeah. I mean, it's the same reason, like, I mentioned, did we mention Knives Out on the podcast or before? The last I think before. Uh, well, I'm mentioning Knives Out now. Um. But it's like Knives Out or, or any good kind of mystery where you're click, like everything's clicking at the end. Like you have kind of that clockwork. Um, it when, when you have something that's so intricately planned or even something completely different, like Back to the Future. Yeah. When you've got something that really lines up all those dominoes and then knocks them down, it makes it adds a different layer to the emotion and, and kind of what you're already getting from just what is happening in the plot when you have those like oh that's a really satisfying they thought about it that's that's come all going to come back around um and it, it is one of those things that uh i i am not usually a oh man we movies are so much worse than they used to be cgi ruined cinema we'll, we'll never get another good movie again like i i'm not ever really like that but th- this is one thing that is very i think engendered to action movies of this time period that they would do stuff like that um where i think now we've we've really gone completely to the side of spectacle not really worrying as much about having an intricate plot in an action movie um i mean even something like john wick that we talked about and really enjoyed doing that franchise doesn't really have that same level of detail yeah uh, in the actual plot even if the action is is superb so like yeah, I, I think that that really highlights why this is as good as it is. Um, yeah, and that it feels like it is definitely an action movie, but it does also feel like a narrative story yes. being told. Yeah, I do I, want to touch on just how darn good Bruce Willis is in this movie, because I yep. think it's very easy for the conversation to go. Alan Rickman's amazing, yeah. but he doesn't overshadow Bruce Willis. And, you know, at the time that we're recording, obviously, all, all the stuff about... um. Bruce Willis's mental health and everything that's going on with him and him having to retire from acting, all that's kind of come up. Um, we kind of came up with doing the Die Hard movies independently of that. Um, it's just kind of bad timing. Um, but he is wonderful. Oh. There's a reason that he is one of the best. Um, and I would say more than just an action star. I mean, he is one of the best actors of, of his day. Um, I, I think he does a very good job of being able to jump from projects like this to you know, something much more off kilter, like Pulp Fiction to sure. something like Unbreakable, where he's basically being, you know, he's playing someone with a lot less dialogue and he's superhuman. 
Like, I don't know. He, he, he is able to transition between different roles um, a lot more than, you know, uh, your Arnold Schwarzeneggers or your Stallones or your Jean-Claude Van Damme's, you know, yeah. your other action heroes of the day. Not to say that or Stallone's not wonderful because Stallone is fantastic. And I don't like we we had talked a bit about like do we still want to do the franchise uh, next because that'll just come out and um we talked about like well you know we, this is like one of his, his the shining examples of of his acting talent and like we can also approach that as a celebration I think that's yeah like absolutely watching it with that in mind um, gave me a bigger appreciation for it because I don't know that like I haven't seen Unbreakable I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen Pulp Fiction, but it's been a minute. Um, Have you seen Six Sense? I've never seen Six Sense. Yeah, it's been so a that, long so time. So, like, there's me. there's several things that I've never really kind of filled in what his talent is like, and like, absolutely, this was like a very affecting performance. I think knowing that and seeing how good it is. Um, I think one of the really big, cool to see. I think one of the big keys is that they give John McClane moments to think and to actually yeah. talk to himself yeah. which i feel like if the dialogue's bad if what he's saying is just really stupid that could be very very grating but i really like the you know the bit after the 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 boss gets shot and he, he runs away and he's like why didn't you stop them john he, they just killed someone because you'd be dead too <laughs> like i i i love that he has conversations with himself um and it kind of just gives you little bits and pieces to be like, oh, he feels like a human being. He feels like an actual person and right. not just a prop for action to happen to. <clears throat> yeah, and I definitely had my like, I mean, I gave my little quibbles about the early parts of the movie with, with the character, but none of that's Bruce Willis. And I also think that a lot of that may just be me reacting to the 30 years of John McClane imitations that we've gotten. Sure. That at the time he was a breath of fresh air. He was a break from the con- action, the contemporary action star. That he was flawed and he was more human and he was like a good-looking guy in shape, but he wasn't like you know he wasn't Schwarzenegger. He he wasn't Hercules in New York. You know, it wasn't that kind of deal. Um, and so that's a that is just I, I can't recreate that kind of appreciation because I wasn't right. I wasn't watching movies. But at the same time, uh, I do think it's a good performance, and a lot of the like comedy he lands really well. Um, no, yeah, he's 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 quite good in this, and I would like to go and back at some point and rewatch the other like the non action movies that he's really respected for, like Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and probably some other stuff. Yeah. So that'll be our next franchise, just Bruce Willis's <laughs> sure. filmography. Um, I... I guess Looper. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. he is Ryan Johnson. Uh... <laughs> um, I was going to say, Alex, you were talking about the premise of it being every everything is happening inside of a tower, and it's how do we get everyone out of the tower safely yeah. and defeat the um, would-be heist makers, thieves, would-be thieves. <laughs> we have um, a clear idea of what the threat is yes um and i think that like similarly talking about i mean i think there have been movies more recently that i've done stuff like this um although the first one that comes to mind is aliens uh that has kind of a 
they're having to move around to figure out how to get out of here. Um, and like we're, we're progressing, especially as you get into the third act, we're progressing through like each stage and where they're making their stand and how they have to move. Uh, and then like how the threat is escalating and, and the enemies they're facing. Um, and that, that's something that's really satisfying that I think this, this movie does really well is focusing on like, okay, he, he's gotten away. He's escaped. Now he has to kind of figure out their plan. Um, and as he works through it, he realizes that the police are incompetent. They're not helping. Uh, he discovers that they've wired the roof. So like he, it makes it forces him to keep being proactive. And there are moments in the movie where he's kind of like, all right, I'm good now. The, the police are here. That was step one was, was get the attention of the police. They can take it from here. Oh crap. No, they can't take it from here. They're, they're incompetent. Now I have to figure out, you know, the next step and, and help them out. Um, keep taking out these guys and, and try to stop them from whatever they're doing next. Like, right. There's such a clear sense of at any given point while you're watching this movie, somebody could be like, Hey, pausing the movie real quick. What, what's, what's the current issue that John McClane is facing? And you could tell, well, right now he's trying to get away from the terrorists without them finding him. Uh, oh, right now he's trying to stop them from blowing up this this truck that the police are trying to use to get into the building. This like uh, military, I don't even know what you would call it. Tank I think they thing. refer to it as an RV. Yeah. Um, and then like, oh, right now he's trying to stop all the people from getting uh, blown up on the roof. Um, I love the way that it progresses and the the way things continue to escalate for McLean and the way the overall stakes continue to escalate. And the fact that you always get more and more piecemeal about what the terrorists, the thieves are trying to do and, and how they're going about it. Um, I love that. There's just a random throwaway bit in the third act where Argyle uh, hits their tech guy who is about to get their getaway, like pull up their getaway truck, which is a, I guess an ambulance is what it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Something like that. Some sort of medical vehicle. Um, Which I think there might be a continuity error there. I I can't quite remember because they have a larger truck that they drive in on and they um they bring that into the parking deck and there's a shot of all of them walking out of yeah. it. And I think it's like, there's not enough room for that ambulance when you, <laughs> but then later they cut to it being driven out. Yeah, I don't know. I could I could be wrong about this, but I, I I remember having a thought when that happened. I don't know. Yeah, not sure. But I like either way. That is their getaway vehicle. Is like, yes. Here's a vehicle they can use to blend in when the roof blows, and everyone like they're having to rush into the building with all the medical uh, people. They can they can all just kind of slip out the back, uh, be like, oh, we're a, a, a medical vehicle. We're transporting the injured to the hospital and then they can get away safely um and that's totally again not verbal it's not there's no point where hans is like oh you think you could stop me but we have our getaway vehicle plan i can't do the accent whatever it's fine um but like he doesn't have to spell that out it's just oh there's this thing that happens in the in the deck where uh this this limo driver who's just been sitting here listening in the whole time like Oh crap! What's going on? Stops them from having any sort of exit point. It wouldn't really matter necessarily, but like it's a it, it just helps you address how what was their plan to get out of here? Um, 
if they're going to blow the roof. So I, I think that that's another element of just really, really nice visual storytelling that they do throughout the movie to peel away little bits and pieces. Totally. There's, uh, there's so many elements of the plot that I think are just really smart and little mini threads throughout it um, that we could talk about for hours. But I do want to mention Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson mm-hmm. uh, because one of them is Robert Davi. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cameo's own Robert Davi from James Bond and the mystery of the sinister snake um, or whatever movie he was in. That's what it is. Right, Alex? Yeah, Cur- yeah curse, curse of the mummy's tomb. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> that that was the best George Lazenby film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, well, the funny thing is, both him and the actor who plays a little Johnson, they are both in License to Kill. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I know. The, maybe actually, that sounds similar. You must have mentioned that when we did the thing. He he is a very bit part in that. I think. That's um, funny. Was License to Kill yeah. after this? Yeah, the year after this. Yeah. Oh, cute. Um, because I just got excited. I was like, Robert Davi, look at you. <laughs> but I, I liked that because they had already set up that like the the municipalities were uh uh flawed and were not handling this well. That yeah. um Al was the only officer there who seemed to have any like real sense of what was going on right. and how to handle it. And then you get these FBI agents who are making things worse, and you're like, well, but that kind of is in line with the theme of the movie so far. And then it turns out that no, they were in on it the whole time. Uh, I don't know. I just thought that was, that was a neat little, little mini arc. What do you mean in on it? Weren't they terrorists? Weren't they part of? No, they, they weren't. No, they were just really bad at it. Yeah. yeah. No, their, their whole, their whole thing is we don't care about collateral damage as long as we kill the terrorists. Like there's that dialogue that happens when they're flying the helicopters to the roof and they go, what do you expect in terms of deaths? Eh, I say we lose 20, 25% of the hostages, but we kill all the terrorists. I can live with that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I must've. Okay. Well, I wasn't paying attention. And then they're trying to shoot McLean because he's firing off the gun. Right, to right. get the hostages to go back into the building. Maybe maybe that's why I, I just saw them shooting at McLean and was like, don't hurt Bruno. And then they get I mean, when one of, they uh, the explosive. I'm pretty sure Robert Davi has a line of like, oh, this is just like Saigon. And the other guy oh, goes, yeah. yeah. I, I was in middle school, <laughs> <Yeah>. you jerk. <laughs> okay, well, egg on my face. Um, all good. I'm not a diehard fan of diehard, I guess. Hey, want him back. Alex, if we as we have established, you were an avid watcher of '80s television. Yeah. Um, back in back in that day, was there just an epidemic of people bringing psychologists onto news stations? Because <laughs> this is this this movie makes fun of that idea, and that's also like the first thing I think of when I see that is Dark Knight Returns. Which is I don't know if it's like Dark Knight Returns did it first, and then every or RoboCop did it first. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the genesis of that is. <laughs> also, what do you think of Coach? What about what about that show? What do you think about Coach? Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about Coach? Um, it's probably fine if anyone remembers. Oh, it. what do you think, hey, Craig T. Nelson? The, what do you think the T stands for? Also, oh. Twenty One Jump Street. Tyler is probably the third movie you need in that trilogy, or the animated Ewoks show. Let's Ooh. talk about that for six more hours. Gonna <laughs> click on it. Two seasons. Oh my god, I didn't know this existed.
Oh, you guys. This is my whole week. <laughs> um, Real quick, I wanted to touch on the character of Ellis. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the sleazy, uh, uh, cocaine-snorting uh, co-worker of um, Holly. Yeah, that uh, dude was... The actor well, was the, great. We we have done it. We have reviewed a movie with that actor before. Hart uh, Buckner, Beckner. Um, huh. He, he uh, does a voice in um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. He is oh. the... Uh, he's a part of that love triangle. He's uh, the uh, oh. councilman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the Joker attacks, yeah. Wow. Hans! Bubby! (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I really liked the scene where he was... He was trying to, like... Trick Hans and, like... He was using his his business skills. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And act like, oh, my old buddy, John. And John is like, no, 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 we don't know each other if... If he thinks you're important to me, you're going to get killed. Like, I really liked that bit of tension between the three of them that was just a really intense phone call. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and just the way that that's played, because uh, Ellis is like, obviously, he he doesn't, he thinks it will be perfectly fine. He's invincible. He's like, yeah. John, they're going to kill me. And, like, he's playing it up for everyone. Yeah. And then you just see Alan Rickman just slowly pull out his gun, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, okay, he, okay, oh, he's dead. Yeah. Enjoy th- enjoy that last sip of Coca-Cola, buddy. <laughs> I can get you McLean or whatever he says. Yeah, it's awesome. I can give him to you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Man, it, it sounds like I didn't watch the movie, but I did watch the movie. I mean, there there is actually a surprising amount of dialogue to have to keep up with in this movie. True, true. <laughs> like it it is it is very much based on people talking to each other, which yeah. I think it, it does that does help to make it different from other um, action movies, both of its time and that we review now. Um, more modern stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like just how dialogue heavy the yeah. film is. No, um, it's not just, oh, it's a two hour shootout. There are very intense action sequences, but that's not all it is. And yeah. I think it's got that per- perfect balance of like when the action gets real, it's very, very good. Um, but it doesn't, feel like it has to rely on that every 15 minutes yeah and and that it no it trusts you that it trusts that you are getting invested in the characters and so you can watch there are multiple ways to create tension right and just is there gonna be a death yeah um and again you just get invested like in watching him and al become friends like that is a very wonderful story arc yeah and i mean just finding little ways to insert human moments like just having the setup with uh, one of Holly's co-workers is pregnant and having that be the, the lead yeah. into the scene where she's like, hey, can you like pull a chair or something for her for her back and then start taking us to the restrooms? Because, hey, it, you know, it's going to get messy if you don't. Yeah. Um, but then also just like with the terrorists, there's all sorts of little little fun um enhancements, I guess, or fun little moments. Like there's the bit where Carl's brother is like, He's like taking a chainsaw to something or like he's doing some some rewiring yeah. of things uh-huh. and Carl just pulls out a chainsaw and it's just he's he's ripping <laughs> things apart and his brother's just like oh god I have to do this in like 5 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um and then there's the bit also when they're uh the the um Hans's goons cuz they're not technically terrorists, the yeah. thieves, um the would-be robbers. 
uh, they're prepping for all the SWAT guys to come in, and the Asian guy goes over to the uh, like the vending station, or you know, it's got a bunch of candy um, at, at that that area, and he's he, he's getting ready. He's got his gun up. He's he's taking aim, and he looks down. And he's like, "I'm gonna grab a Crunch Bar." <laughs> <laughs> Same. There's can... uh, that is just like. Taken 3 does not have any of that, <laughs> let me tell you. Sure. We'll find out when we do them on the podcast. I was going to say, <laughs> let's see what happens when we get to Die Hard 3. Yeah. Uh, John McTiernan comes back. It has a okay. lot of this. Okay. Well, never mind then. Maybe. I, I am a we'll big fan of Die Hard of 3. Yeah. Okay, okay, director of the 13th Warrior, John McTiernan. We'll see what you... <laughs> see if you can pass muster uh, with the sequel, bros. <laughs> I can I can find nothing on the epidemic of TV psychologists in the 80s. I that, was find, on, that, yeah. that, that came up in the Halloween franchise at some point, right? It did, yeah. I well, that was it, the Rob Zombie films, right? Oh, well, that Maybe was right. Loomis going on, yeah. And then Weird Al. <laughs> the, the only good scene in that entire film oh my god right no, but that is such a funny there's like this mini mini arc where there's a guy who's not anthony michael hall who wants to be a big news reporter and isn't and he keeps getting mad at the news anchor who the, yeah who says like he could get some information completely wrong um and then he just like keeps rolling with it mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's quite funny and the, the, yeah they're like there's a horrible terrorist attack Psychologist, come on and plug your book and tell us how <laughs> how this is going to how this is going to proceed. Yeah. Well, just great. just the fact that they kind of uh, they transpose it, or there's of course there's a bunch of irony to this where the guy's like, oh yeah, they're, we're at the point where they're going to start like feeling a connection with their captors. Meanwhile, Ellis's dead body is being dragged yeah. out, and they're all just horrified. Like I that con- there's just so many little moments like yeah. that. This is what. M- this is what makes a film stand the test of time, is putting thought into making moments matter. It's that easy. <laughs> it's all it takes. It's, it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I do love this movie. I, I definitely think, I, I would consider this to be one of the best, if not the best action film ever made. I think it has all the right elements. Um. And, uh, and I, I don't know, how do, are, do we need to even touch on the, is this a Christmas movie or not I was, debacle? I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I feel like we do need to touch on it. And watching it now, I, I, it definitely made more sense to me that people think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it is nice that it's like, oh, this is Christmas in, you know, California. Like, it's not, it's not going to be a the you ending make... where all the papers are flying yeah. you know they're flowing down it's like oh that's snow yeah yeah that's cute um they play a few christmas songs they mm-hmm. insert christmas music into the score yeah i think i, I mean it's, it's you hear Christmas-y. jingle bells during like it's... really tense scenes and it's like wow this is like i don't know how they're getting away with this it's it's more christmasy than i give it credit for yeah originally no, like I a, think um, you know, it might be more Christmassy it. than other Christmas movie, The Green Knight. Sure, or other Christmas movie, Batman Returns. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do think the person with the best response to this question was, in fact, Bruce Willis. He was asked the question. And he said, 
I think it's a good Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> well done. That's the that way is to do true. It. Alex has the resident sort of 80s expert. Uh, mm-hmm. Pup named Scooby-Doo or Flintstone Kids? What do you think? Which is the better one? Pup named Scooby-Doo. I would agree with you 100% on that one. What about Alf? <laughs> you like Alf? You know, I, I hated Alf right yeah. up until the finale. Then I then it clicked for me. <laughs> I was a- like, I get it. A- AFI is yeah, uh, one of the number, TV heroes. I think we said number eight. I think uh, movie villain? Yeah. Alf? There's also, um, I just Googled AU's television shows, and there's one that's, it's a picture of a very young Robert Downey Jr., and the title played uh, written underneath his face says Mussolini, the untold story. <laughs> <laughs> I believe okay. he plays a Mus- one of Mussolini's children. Um, Cause I believe George C. Scott played Mussolini. The eighties <laughs> were another time, but I like the idea that old RD- RDJ there. is getting in there, man. He sure went through some growing pains. On but a hey, more, those are the facts of life. What can I tell you? On, on, on a on a more uh, dinosaurs. Uh, thank right? you. Yes. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> Not to be more on topic. Um, didn't Bruce Willis uh, start off like you no, know, like he got the job from a TV role, right? Like he was on. Oh, uh, was it moonlighting? I think that was. Oh, the... he was. Like, he did do moonlighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was doing that while. I don't know he if he a, did it while he was shooting yeah. this, but I know that was kind of his big role before this. Right. But I, th- I think it's just interesting because, you know, we don't, I mean, we do still see this, but it's not nearly as prominent now just because TV has become so much more prestige. And, you yeah, know, right. a lot of people think it's more prestige than, than film at this point. Um, but it's one of those perfect examples of Bruce Willis starting off as a TV actor and then he, he gets gets right. to the big time and then he becomes a superstar. Um now I feel like it's it's almost the reverse, not quite, but well, honestly, no, it's, it's yeah. kind of like either either or. It's, it's yeah, just yeah. If he, if you if someone shows up and whether they're in a you know Netflix miniseries or a not even Netflix miniseries, I guess they don't really do stuff like that. But like an, an HBO miniseries versus yeah. a, a a big movie by Scorsese or whoever. Well, because now you have you have the the sort of star maker of like a game of thrones which yep. peter dinklage was already an established actor but that kind of put him on the map for a lot yep. of people but it totally made a name for richard madden and kid harrington amelia clark and all the all the younger ones but then you also have like kate winslet is doing tv now <laughs> like she mm-hmm, did yeah. mayor of Easttown and like i don't know it's it's there are yeah. still a few movie star holdouts who won't like i don't tom hanks started out on tv but he hasn't come back denzel hasn't done tv but like it's yeah. it's not as as uh that doesn't feel like the divide that there was for a long time. Yeah. Or like you're a TV actor or a movie actor. Yeah. yeah. And really, I think that's just budgets. I think like yeah. now they have the budget to be like, you can choose a project because yeah. either way, you're going to get paid real well for it. Yeah. And like the more and more TV producers are willing to make a shorter show that is a more yeah. story driven character driven kind of thing. So it's kind of depending. Um, he also had a say- music career. I will say I know they had considered at this point doing like a John McClane prequel or some sort of like flashback movie. Um, and I know obviously with everything going on with Bruce Willis, they probably would just steer away from that for now. Yeah. But I think this is one of those roles where you can't recast it. Oh, so it just completely loses everything if you do that. You, 
you're saying they consider doing that now? Yeah. Okay. Like as you said I, that, even, and I was even like, like a, a few years ago, I was hearing that. I thought you were saying they were thinking of that after Die Hard, the movie oh. was such a success, and I was like, that sounds like a dumb idea they'd be thinking about right now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, it, it was. That that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. It was originally it was a, it was a prequel. It's it's set in like I don't know Detroit or something, and it's it's about young John McClane on the streets, yeah. you're learning learning the the how tos of of being a detective, and he meets a young Sergeant Al Powell, and at the end they both lose their memories, and one of them gets moved to L.A. and the other gets moved to New York, and destiny will did, bring them back together. Did they have direct-to-video sequels at that point? I. They must have done. Well, they yeah, we had VHS in the eighties. I mean, surely but, but what some was the first. Like, at what point Ooh, did did like I bet horror... it was Star Wars Ewoks. Yeah, it's possible. At what point did horror franchises start doing that? Like, they go from theatrical releases to yeah. straight to video. I feel like it probably took a minute. That yeah, feels like that... A, that feels like a nineties thing. Like, when was the first Hellraiser? Because I know that one. Oh. I was like, I, I maybe the moment early eighties. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino's not here, so he can't. He can't tell us. The first direct-to-video sequel was Casper: A Spirited Beginning, according to some site. Let's, and that was nineteen ninety-seven. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I can't. Was it right? Maybe I feel it like is. Disney animated movies were. Do- I feel like they were doing it before then, but I also, I don't know. I was what nine in ninety-seven. No, yeah, no, it was way earlier than that. What do you What do you do in internet? <laughs> okay it was actually uh gone with the wind 2 <laughs> the wind the wind is back it's called gone with the wind 2 it's more miserable this time <laughs> it's just called o'hara a gone with- <laughs> o'hara a wind story supposedly uh Practice of creating and releasing regular fiction specifically for video didn't really take off until 1994 with Disney's The Return of Jafar or Universal's or and Universal's The Land Before Time 2, The Great Valley Adventure. What you're really saying the... is we have yet another thing to blame Disney for. All right. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I don't know. Land Before Time sequels, some of those are pretty good. Sure. Also, not Disney. That's true. It was Universal. So, therefore. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I guess we can go ahead and do grades. I think we've kind of <laughs> run out of things to say about Die Hard. I give it an A. Yeah, also flat A. Very good. Very good. I think I will also go flat A. It's it, it is there's a temptation a. with a movie like this, there's a temptation to be the cool contrarian or to be the like cool, yeah, no, me too. I also like film. But at the end of the day, it's just how do you feel about the movie? And I feel that the movie is very, very well done. This is good and fun weird, and well well made. Weird question that I was thinking about because you mentioned Alex being you kind of feel like this is the best action movie. What did I give uh Raiders of the Lost Ark? I would imagine you gave that an A plus, right? I might it might have just been an A. No, you gave it an A plus. Okay. Cause that's the only other one that I would I would kind of put on that level. Um I think it's it's pretty comparable there. So Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm 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 very interested to see where we go with this because I I tend to think that this is a mostly good franchise, but I've thought that about 
other franchises before Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where this this road takes us. I know yeah. nothing about any any of the sequels except I remember Kevin or I know Kevin's missing one because you've talked about it, Alex. And then I think I've seen the last ten minutes when you probably had it on at some point, uh, and to something I don't know. I don't know which one <laughs> could be the next one. Could be probably not the next one. Probably like the back half of the franchise, but somewhere in there. It t- I think turns out it was just unbreakable. Could, could have it been Miss Congeniality too. Who knows? <laughs> That's also possible. Bruce Willis's famous role. Miss Congeniality. <laughs> too. I was just googling other Bruce Willis movies to see if I could, because I don't have like a, a movie that I watched recently to recommend. So I don't have like a go-to Bruce Willis to recommend, but I will recommend another great Alan Rickman movie uh, called Galaxy Quest. That movie's great. Yes. Um, Still have not seen it. Oh man, it's 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 one of those movies where I feel like when it came out, it was like, oh yeah, Galaxy Quest. But in the years since, it, it, people have really picked up on it. It is a great send-up slash tribute to uh, the original Star Trek series and more so the the sort of fandom around it. Um, it is a a rare uh, parody that is genuinely funny and that both gets what is silly and also great about the thing it's satirizing. Um, Tim Allen is the Captain Kirk uh, surrogate. uh, Very funny. Sigourney Weaver's in it. She's great. Uh, Tony Shalhoub and Chill Mitchell, or Daryl Chill Mitchell. Um, Justin Long is in that one. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. That's who I was thinking of. Enrico. Sam Rockwell plays like the red shirt equivalent, right? He's like, I'm the guy that dies. (laughs) He's like the smarmy dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Alan Rickman is fantastic. He's the Spock character. He is so funny. He's so wonderful in that movie. The whole cast is great. It's a great script. The makeup is great. There are some really goopy, gross alien effects, uh, practical, that are really well done. um, And a really nasty, like, pig thing. Um, really funny. Miners, not miners. Uh, I, I, it's probably streaming on Amazon or something. Go out and find it. It's a, just a, just a hoot and a hoot and a holler. It's a really good time. It's called Galaxy Quest. Anybody else? Um, I, uh, finished Pam and Tommy and moved on to the dropout. So I am, I am, I'm very much into the, uh, the the uh fictional uh (laughs) recreations of horrible events that have happened to people (laughs) next up the girl from plainville (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i don't know what it is with hulu just like one after the other right now yeah um it does seem like you've moved from hbo max to hulu which maybe that's progress I, I mentioned this to Britain. I actually watched Gone with the Wind like a couple of weeks ago, and I think that kind of broke me of just like that's just four <laughs> hours of misery and historical I, I, context that actually, I don't want to get into right now. Actually, <laughs> film was a mistake. I can't actually. watch Warner Brothers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Batman. David O. Selznick! <laughs> um, but Pam and Tommy, uh, I know I already talked about it last week it's still good and it ends it ends strong um everyone's great in it um go watch it uh unless you're uh (laughs) unless you're a little gun shy around the explicit material um then avoid uh and then the dropout so far i've watched the first two episodes and it's quite good and amanda seafried is great yeah i'm looking forward to watching that 
I think Gone with the Wind has the same director as Wizard of Oz. Well, the Wizard of Oz is interesting because it had like five directors, and I think one of them had to leave to go shoot Gone with the Wind. Victor hmm. Fleming. I think Victor Fleming's the credited director. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great movie. Tyler, you got anything? Nah. No. I just like the way that the Beneficent sure. movie. Sure. <laughs> David O. Selznick. <laughs> Man, I really hope to get my Ben Affleck rookie card signed one day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, specifically, a he, I don't think he was in the film The Rookie. Never mind. He's in he's in something coming out. I'll recommend that. <laughs> he's in that Deep Water movie that I don't know if people like it or not. No, no I, I'm gonna watch. I was gonna it, say though. maybe that's it, but I don't think it is. Uh, I I, I, I want to watch it, but I have. I have a feeling I'm not going to enjoy it very much. I know. I know. It's it's like, what if Gone Girl was stupid? <laughs> but it's like, you know, based on, I mean, it's based on classic literature. That doesn't mean it's going to be great. <laughs> I've just discovered that Ben Affleck's uh, Wikipedia page for the Ben Affleck filmography uh, talks about like, oh, he's an American actor and filmmaker. He made his deba- debut with minor part in The Dark End of the Street. Went on to appear in, in several television shows. And yada yada. Affleck pa- played an anti-Semite in the sports film School Ties, 1992. Oh, yeah. And featured as a regular on the television drama Against the Grain. And then and then it just moves on. It just continues with the, like the, everything up to that point is just like, here are some of the things he had roles in. This, in this <laughs> one, he happened to be an anti-Semite. Moving we, on. We really want you to know about School Ties. I think uh, Brendan Fraser's in that. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, doesn't that actually have like a pretty stacked cast? I think so, At least yeah. in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. The Tinder Bar is the movie that I saw a trailer for. It's right. directed by George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Has Ty Sheridan. Uh, good to see he, he's still... He still survived going, uh, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And New Mutants that came out, you know, as well, and he's he's still kicking. So He he, he rose from the he ashes. He wasn't in New Mutants, but... We got Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I gotta watch this. This is probably this is probably a the way back level experience for all the uh feelings that entails i was gonna you say Ty- it probably is <laughs> tyler this this does seem like the perfect kind of transition movie into you just becoming like full-on dad mode <laughs> it's possible <laughs> hey, i saw the tinder bar yeah it was pretty good like this good. is like pretty if good. you don't the, watch yeah, it the period costumes were really accurate like it, if you watch if you watch that movie at any other time than a Sunday afternoon, I'm going to be very disappointed <laughs> I'll, in you. I'll, I'll pencil that in. I'll, uh... It'll be in between discussions about uh, uh, old, old-timey old war tactics. <laughs> and anything involving submarines. Well, I think Gone with the Wind is a great movie, and I really don't have a problem with any of the historical stuff. But the way it showed the Civil War tactics, I don't think it was quite right. <laughs> Here's the thing about Sherman. He marched. He didn't saunter. The the Tinder Bar has a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which Over is half. Balanced, and also has a 69% audience score. So, I mean. Tell you, yeah. Okay, now I have to watch it. Great. There you go. All right, cool. That's it's on Amazon movie. Prime, apparently. Done so, I think, I think next week we'll review the Tinder Bar. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we'll my, we'll, we'll knock out our recommendations uh, <laughs> and just watch two movies. And we'll have a 15-minute segment where we review the Tinder Bar. We'll come yeah. back around. I'm in. <laughs> and then we'll watch The Northman. <laughs> and then we'll watch The Northman. Yeah, for something light. I mean, yeah. we could we could do a... 
we could do it. Who is who is that? I'm I'm mixing up my auteurs. Uh, Robert Eggers made that. Robert Eggers. Yeah, we could do we could do a Robert Eggers trilogy. Now we can. Yeah. yeah. I'm afraid to watch The Lighthouse again. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. Um, <laughs> if you want to potentially watch us or listen to us, you can't watch us do anything. Uh, Jeff Bezos. If you want to potentially watch the lighthouse while listening to us talk about yes. something else, uh, which might also be the lighthouse, we might talk about the lighthouse at some point. Uh, um, we just did now. There's really no, yeah. The, there's really no telling what's going to show up next. It will probably be the second Die Hard. Um, and if you want to listen to that, uh, you can find us on herecomesequels.blogspot.com on Twitter at HCT Sequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify. Or on all your podcast services, get on it. Uh, you, you already have apparently because you're listening to us, but like continue to be on it, yeah. uh, and give us reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. T- tell yeah. tell your friends. Send your friends a mail uh, mail order copy of like a, a thumb drive. It has to be a early two thousands thumb drive. Yeah, we're talking. Not big enough. Send them ten thumb drives because they weren't big enough to fit the contents of the episode. <laughs> send one of the one of your episodes that way. And it's, it's like yeah. the Lord of the Rings extended editions. You have to take it out, plug the new one in, mm-hmm. uh, save it to your computer, maybe, or just listen to it real time. That's probably the the more exciting experience to be like, what's going to happen next? I got to take the thumb drive out and replace uh. the one labeled three. We've got we've got specially uh, edited um, clips that that fit. They'll sync perfectly with the thumb drives. And at the end, Tyler yeah. goes, "The adventure continues on thr- thumb drive three. <laughs> <laughs> that just gave me the most intense deja vu to a cassette tape I had as a child that I believe was either for the Lion King or okay. Jim Henson's Dinosaurs TV show. I don't know which it was. Okay. But it was that kind of you would listen to half of it and they'd be like, "All right, turn to side two. and I would always be, and it was like at the moment of tension or something, or maybe it was just like an African folktale. I don't remember, sure. but I, I I just got the most in, like of sitting in like my grandma's house or something listening to it. That is wild. <laughs> Gosh, taking me back to two thousand and four because I'm young and not born yeah. in nineteen eighty eight. Correct. Can't find me, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. I think I think I have an inroad with another uh, really big computer no. guy. I was gonna say Mark Zuckerberg can find us, and yeah, we've you know, already all kind of accepted that. So. Yeah, I mean, he, he yeah he's still gone. He hasn't come back. I think sure. I got a telegram from him the other day that he said he was searching for the chupacabra somewhere, mm-hmm. and he bought a pith helmet in like North North Carolina. I don't mm-hmm. think that's where the chupacabra is, but he sounded really hopeful, and I didn't want to run in his parade. Yeah, well, he said like. It was something about like the locals uh, here are are welcoming me to a to the a very you know sort of beloved establishment, uh, and I'm gonna celebrate by getting my hash browns chunked. And I was like, "All right, all right, buddy. You know what? Just I like that you're getting to enjoy the world." Meta, more like Meta Chupacabra. <laughs> I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. You're having a good night. <laughs>